Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am joined here by Becky Park. Hi, Becky. Hi, thank you for having me back. Yes, so excited. So this is another Thrifters Villa reunion tour. Becky was on, I want to say it was season two. I'll leave it in the show notes so you guys can go back and listen to that episode. But we're going to have Becky back on, kind of talk about where her journey is now in reselling. What her focuses are? Is it still YouTube? Is she changing her business model? What's live selling looking like for her? She's doing it. Just all the things that everyone wants to know. Uh, so sit down, relax, and we will see you at the table. Welcome back, Becky. I'm so happy to sit down and talk to you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to hang out with you as well. So nice. Because we don't really get to do this. <laughs> no, it's like... We have to schedule it. <laughs> I know. It's frustrating that as we get older, we just have less and less time to do things mm-hmm. that we want to do, you know? But yeah, this is so great. Thank you. Of course. So I'm sure there's newer people listening who do not know who you are. Um, so why about you give us a little bit of a breakdown of who you are, how you got into reselling, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah. So I, let me see, I'll just kind of describe the different hats that I wear. So (laughs) um, I'm married. I've got two kids. They're 10 and six now. It's crazy. I can't even Um, believe your daughter is 10. Right. It's crazy. And like, they're busy kids. They're both on team for gymnastics. So I feel like we're just on the road all the time, like taking one kid to practice and then the other one. And soon they'll have like meets and stuff. Um, my daughter also does like musicals and um, I don't know, they're, they're pretty busy kids. Um, my husband and I are really busy with just like helping out at church and stuff. And then I um, actually, my husband and I were both teachers as well. Um, he teaches at the elementary school level. I teach at the high school level and I teach choir. So not only do I have like what I do as a choir teacher, but I also have like performances, rehearsals, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, as teachers, we just don't get paid a lot. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I started reselling at the very end of 2017, just kind of fell into it on accident, found out about Poshmark, kind of through word of mouth from my brother, and then got on it when I was just trying to sell some clothes that Plato's wouldn't take from me. Um, And I've been selling part-time ever since. Um, Obviously, I've learned a lot more about how to sell online. I've added more reselling platforms to my repertoire. And, um, I started a YouTube channel, maybe like a year and a half or two years into my reselling journey, just because I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me and were in my context as far as like part-time reselling. Um, so I thought that maybe I could bring a unique voice and perspective to the table as far as reselling is concerned. Um, and then just throughout, I've like had, you know, I like developed a course at one point for, resellers who had YouTube channels and um, just wanted more community and just um, some guidance on how to grow their channels. I um, I don't know. I, I've kind of like dipped my toe in a lot of things. I just like created my own website using Shopify and, you know, I'm trying to sell stuff there. So I've just kind of whatever piques my interest, I'm like, oh, we'll just see how it goes. And um, yeah, it's it's fun to not have a boss and to just kind of be able to do what you want when you want to. I think it's I think it's interesting because you're kind of like me where it's like something really interests us and we like just do it 
and then yeah. we don't know how to really stop. We just kind of keep going with it until yeah. we're officially burnt out from it. We're yeah. like, okay, we're done with this. We're going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about YouTube. I mean, I love it. I haven't posted anything since I think January, but I feel like, and we can talk about this because as resellers, I almost feel like there's like this push to be on some type of platform, whether it's live selling now, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, I don't care what it is like this push that you got to have your face out there. Right. And while we all have unique and amazing perspectives, and it's so nice to hear everyone's story, there's a lot of pressure that goes with creating that content and staying up to date and being unique and like people almost expecting to see that content all the time that um, just given where I am right now in my life, I, I just couldn't dedicate any more time to it at this present moment because it takes a lot of work. And I don't think people realize how much work <laughs> YouTube actually is. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you are a YouTuber in any regard for any niche, um, it puts a different spin on what your YouTube channel is about. So, you know, if your YouTube channel is about traveling, you are a different kind of traveler than someone who travels without a YouTube channel. Um, right. If you're um, really into like finance, the way that you think about finance and deal with finance, it's different when you're a YouTuber, you know? And I think that that's true of resellers as well who have YouTube channels because there's the balance of I need to do enough reselling to have a YouTube channel about it, but also YouTube eats up a lot of my time and it affects the way people resell when they have a YouTube channel because they're always thinking in the back of their head about, is this going to make for a good video? Um, and you know, you, I've heard stories, I'm sure you've heard stories of people who have taken that a little too far and they actually get burnt out on the reselling side of things because they're trying to appease the YouTube side of things. And so you have someone who maybe just has like way too much inventory or just too much going on because they were trying to, you know, do stuff within their reselling business that would um, create clickbaity thumbnails right. and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's always a really fine line that's hard to straddle and maneuver through because, you know, I think there have been times when maybe I am a little too thoughtful about YouTube and not so much about reselling. And then I get in a little bit of trouble because now I've acquired too much inventory or I've whatever, you know? Um, and then sometimes I'm so dedicated to the reselling side of things that, yeah, YouTube just kind of slips by the wayside or, or I haven't done anything exciting or creative within my reselling business to satisfy or feed the YouTube beast. So there's a lot to think of and think about. And that is the piece I think I'm not the best at. I don't think I'm the best at being like, oh my gosh, like this is an amazing garage sale. I should whip out my camera and film everything because I'm so in the zone of like, I just need to get as much stuff from here as possible. Right. And I know that me taking my phone out is going to slow down that process. And so I think, you know, if I were more in tune with that, like YouTube mindset all the time, um, it, my, my reselling would just look very different. And so, like you said, it's hard, it's hard to like feed both beasts because they're both very hungry. They're both very needy. <laughs> and, <laughs> they are. Yeah. So I don't know. I, you know, a lot of times people ask me the question, like, how do you do it all? 
And my answer is always, I just do it all like super mediocrely. That's not even a word, but like, I just, <laughs> we just made the, it up here. <laughs> I just made it up. I'm really good at making it words, but you know, I don't strive to be the best at like every single thing that I do, because if that were the case, I would be beyond stressed out, but I just strive to do my best, you know, yeah. um, that that's all I can do. And I'm okay with the results and you know, we're, we're getting by. So <laughs> you are definitely way more consistent than I am with YouTube, but it has helped you create a wonderful channel. And I feel like your channel has evolved so much too, from, you know, just the what souls or the halls or whatever. And it's, it's, it's really evolved over time, which is always nice to see, especially as someone who like, I've always admired you, Becky, that's not a oh, secret, you know, you. Oh, I have, and you were one of the first, you know, bigger channels that I watched. And, um, it's just nice to see people be real and authentic on YouTube because, you know, if you take away the reselling community, other types of communities, there's a lot of things that are not as authentic, right? Like the beauty channels and like, I watch yeah. it all. I watch mm-hmm. all that stuff on YouTube and it's, there's just something so refreshing about watching someone just sit down and just be real and honest about things mm-hmm. and share the brutal truths about things and reselling that just stinks sometimes yeah and I just there just isn't enough of that and um and I appreciate that from someone like you who has a larger following who has a larger channel and and just that realism I think is so important Mm -hmm. transparency I guess is what it comes down to yeah yeah and ultimately you know when it comes to YouTube I think the most important thing is staying true to yourself and I I am like unnecessarily hard on myself and like, you know, just kind of, but like my husband always jokes, like he hates complimenting me because every time he does, I'm like, no, like I do the same thing. Yeah. You know? And he's like, oh my God, it's so hard to just say something nice to you. You're right. You suck. Yeah. You know, exactly. Like, it's just like, why do you behave that? Like, why do you react like that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, you know, it's hard for me to believe those kinds of things about myself. And so it would be so like hard for me to get in front of the camera and be like, Hey guys, like I just did amazing. And da, da, da. And, and part of it is like the numbers don't justify me saying that, but also <laughs> like, I just, you know, I just feel like I never feel like I'm the best. I never feel like I am the one that knows the most. And so it's hard for me to like come with that kind of energy to the camp. Like I'm always in this constant state of like, Oh man, like there is so much I don't know. And it would take a lot out of me to, pre- to pretend otherwise. So I think that's part of it. But I think part of it is also like what you were saying, like I value that. I value transparency. I value people being real. And, um, you know, I think the numbers show like not everyone feels that way. I think some people really like to turn to YouTube for like the motivation piece of it of like, oh my gosh, this person is killing it. This is how they're doing it. So I'm just going to watch them and learn. And I think for some of those people, they come to my channel and they're like, what? Like, you, like you're what is she doing? You had more returns and like you only made $200 of profit in a week. Like, I don't want to watch you. Like this woman sold to- Talbots a hundred times over. I'm all yes, set. Right. Like they're like, I already know about Talbots and I don't pick it up. Like, you know, like, but I, I get it. Like my channel is not for everyone and that's okay. But I find comfort in the fact that there are a lot of people who will leave comments and be like, thank you so much for sharing this. I have had a horrible week and I felt very alone in it, but hearing you say like, it was rough for you too. Like that makes me feel better. Um, that's who my channel is for. You know, it's like for those people who are like, man, like this is hard. And I'm like, it is like, it's hard for me too. And we can, 
feel that and experience that together. And obviously I'll share my wins too, when they come around and share how I think I was able to achieve those wins. But um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like a walk with me type of channel versus I know everything and like, just sit down, take notes. And, you know, once you are done watching this, like you're going to, you know, be able to make a billion dollars. Like that's not my channel. Um, and I can't pretend that it will be, you know? And so, yeah. Do you think, cause now it's been a few years since you've been on, do you, do you find that you're in the same place at YouTube? Do you feel like you've grown a lot in that space? Where do you kind of see yourself as the years go on? Is it going to be a forever thing for you? Um, you know, it's really funny. I, so a few years ago during COVID, I remember during Posh Fest, Mogi Beth and I, we got on a, we were like a panel on YouTube. It was like, I don't know, Poshmark and YouTube, something like that. And I kind of jokingly was like, you know, I think my channel is for people who want to start out on Poshmark. And once they kind of learn the basics and they learn like kind of how to do it, then they can graduate and move on to like a channel like Mogi Beth's where they're going to teach you like the real nitty gritty business side of things, like about numbers, you know, like just the, yeah, very like, okay. Like you started it off as a hobby. You started it off with just like your clothes. How do you turn that into a business? You know? Right. And I was like, I just think she's more equipped to talk about that because she's selling full time. She's got employees and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that still rings true to this day in the sense of like, I'm not out here in a warehouse with employees you know, putting food on other people's tables, like I'm not doing that kind of stuff. And so I'm never going to speak to that. Um, and so I think that my channel still to this day attracts kind of the beginners and the people who are curious about Poshmark. And I think I'm able to deliver, you know, the information that they want in a clear and concise way where it makes sense to them. But at some point, they're going to outgrow it if they stick with it. And I'm okay with that, you know, and I think it's just understanding that. Um, and so I think that's why to some degree, it's like my channel, it feels kind of stagnant in that I don't feel like it grows at a tremendous rate, but I think that's why, you know, is because I think my channel is the kind of channel that people will outgrow. Um, I think a lot of these huge reseller YouTube channels, um, especially like kind of more eBay centric and like very centered around like going garage sailing and stuff. Right. Like I just, that's never going to be my channel because that's not what I do, you know? Right. Um, and when I look at like the analytics of my channel and what does best, it's always kind of like the tutorials, like this is how you blank. And those are the kinds of videos that attract a lot of new people. They don't really sustain like viewers, you know, over the course of many years. So that's kind of where my YouTube channel is at. And I'm, again, I'm okay with it. And I think it's because that's still where I'm at in my reselling business. I'm not in a place still where I'm like, I'm gonna go full time or, you know, but I think kind of like what you were saying, there's always a push of like, okay, you're here. When are you going to get there? You know? Um, and I just don't feel that sense of urgency to like yeah. go anywhere else. Like for me, if this is it, that that's all right. But also it, it does get a little bit more like difficult to feel 
creatively um, fulfilled, I guess, when I feel like I'm pumping out the same kind of content over and over again. But something that's kind of fun is like, my kids are so into YouTube, obviously not my channel. They're like, your channel is so boring. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks well, guys. It's not for you, you know, <laughs> but um, they love YouTube. They have like, you know, all their favorite YouTubers and stuff and they really want to be on YouTube. Um, and it's something that my husband and I have kind of fought for a while. We're like, no, we don't really want you on the internet. Da, 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 da. Um, but they want it so bad. And so my son had come up with um, a channel name a long time ago called parks on the go and I think he was envisioning it as like a vlog channel just kind of like our day-to-day -day. but I was like well what if it's about like our travels you know and it's kind of like a traveling channel um with like the context of you know family-friendly travel two young kids and just kind of everything and they were like yeah so I think we're gonna do that and kind of do it as a family I'd love if I actually they're not bad at editing just like on their iPads and stuff but I'd love to be able to like do a deeper dive into that with them and just kind of have them take more ownership over it. But I think that'll be really fun to like try new things and just kind of like be creative in a different way. And I think that'll help me even be better on my reselling YouTube channel. But at this time, I have no plans on like dissolving it or just stopping or, you know, cause yeah. it is still fun. And I, it's, it's really mainly for the community and just like the people who watch. And, um, I think that's really cool. I just think it's crazy that anyone wants to tune in <laughs> and watch. I'm just like, don't you have better things to do? But like, you know, it's cool. I'm, I'm like honored. Yeah, there's some, first of all, I think the YouTube with the kids is such a great idea. As soon as you posted, I was like, oh my God, this is the cutest thing ever. First of all, I, yes. I think your kids are adorable, but oh, I think you. it's going to be fun to just, because I like travel channel. I watched, so there's some adventures that I watched that like go to abandoned houses and stuff. And oh, I just geez, think it's the most yeah. fascinating thing yeah. to yeah. watch. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like that decompression that we all need sometimes where it's like, it's not learning related. It has nothing to do yeah. with work. It's, it's not... Mm -hmm news you know it's just these people going out and adventuring and seeing different things and I'm just along for the ride I love yes. that yes I also have people that have contacted me over the last like two months and they're like when are you going to post another video yeah when are you gonna you, you like you have you know I know you find really great stuff when are you gonna post another video I just don't have the mental capacity for it right now and I think it's so hard to explain that to someone yeah. because then you have to like you, you almost feel like you have to give validation to it, right? Like you can't just say, well, I just don't feel like it right now. It's like, well, you know, I have a lot going on and it's, I have more fun doing this mm -hmm. and getting the, like this type of content out and focusing on sourcing really well and making lot, you know, making good money that way. Mm -hmm. YouTube brings in money. Yeah, sure. And it is fun to give value to others and educate others. But I feel like we all have to figure out in whatever stage in life that we're in, like where we can dedicate the time and where we just have to be okay with not dedicating time right now. And that's just where I'm at, where it's like, yeah. you know, mm, how do I say this? Health-wise, there are things that, that we are going through as a family where it's like, um, that's just where my priority has to lie. Yes. You know, the, that's the most important thing, not creating a video every single weekend <laughs> yeah editing it and posting it and then going live and then doing all this stuff I love engaging with the community 
Mm-hmm. But sorry, guys, it's just not going to happen right now. Maybe next year. Who knows? And maybe my channel will take a completely different turn. Who who knows? But it's there. And whenever mm-hmm. I feel like I can give energy to it again, I will. Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, and and I think that's healthy. And I get to, like, some people who are listening are going to be like, okay, but you guys can do that because you have other jobs, you know? like, uh-huh. or, and, and I get that, too. Like, and, and I think there are people who, even with their regular jobs, like, I... Um, I had a coworker come over not too long ago. She was bringing some clothes for me to sell. And, um, I know she's had a really hard time at work and, um, she's like, I just got to get to retiring, you know, like I just got to get to that point. And she's like, it's like too close for me to not see this through. And she's like, but it's so Mm. hard. And there are people who feel that way about their, jobs that are not reselling. Um, and then there are full-time resellers who like, this is their only source of income. And, you know, they hear people like me and like you who are like, Oh, you know, if you're just like not in a place to list, like, just don't do it. Just don't do it today. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not in a place to post a video, like don't do it. And they're like, okay, but then like, how am I going (laughs) to pay my mortgage and how am I going to you know feed myself and stuff? And it's, it's hard. Um, and that's why for us, I think we're speaking from the perspective of, because this is extra, because, mm-hmm. you know, anything extra that comes in through these additional revenue streams is just kind of icing on the cake. But even for those who like YouTube and reselling and whatever else it is that you do kind of on the side where you're your own boss, when that gets hard, that's it's difficult, you know, when, you know, like you said, like your health gets in the way, that's difficult. And I think that's where for me, like, I'm thankful in that I think I've just done YouTube so long that it's like a, it's like a muscle yeah, and same yeah, yeah. Smelling, like, it's just like, I can just kind of turn it out and I can just do it. Even if I'm not feeling like, yeah, I'm not like exceptionally motivated or, you know, I have kind of these like built in things that I can talk about on a weekly basis, even if there's nothing new, but like, I just kind of, it's just built into like my schedule and DNA almost at this point that like, I just kind of get it done. And I guess that's like my biggest tip to, especially those like full-time people who they're like, I just have to make it work. And this is how I do it. It's like, you just have to, when you can Mm -hmm. do it so much that it just is ingrained as this is how I start my day, or this is what happens at this time of the day or whatever. Um, that like, it, you, you're almost not even thinking about it, you know? Um, that's, you know, I think for some people, how they get through their regular jobs too. Like they just, mm-hmm. they're like, this is just built into my day. Like, it's not a, will I do it or not? It's just, I just go, like, I just go to work, do my job, <laughs> yep. come home. That's just, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure that but doesn't work. We, no, but I think it's a good point when it comes to reselling itself. And creating that structure that's necessary because yeah, we can go out and source all day long. Sure, that's great. But then there's like a whole process that happens after that point. Then that's that's where most people tend to struggle, whether they're full-time, part-time, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. 
getting this stuff is fun. Sometimes it's not fun. It depends where you are mentally at that point. But then there's the processing. There's steaming, cleaning, mending, photographing, figuring out how you're going to list each thing, putting things away into inventory, things selling, and you getting them and shipping. Like there's this whole other thing. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's how I feel about when it comes to reselling. Like whether I feel like doing it or not, this money is very important to mm-hmm. the family. So I need to do all the things that I need to do to get it done. Whether I want to, I don't care if it's midnight and I got to do it and I worked all day and I did something else at night. I don't care. I have to do it. That's Mm -hmm. how I feel about the selling part of the clothing and the shoes and everything else. Mm -hmm. And I totally get what you're saying with the YouTube too. And that's how I was in the beginning until Mm -hmm. I realized "Mm, the clothes and the shoes and stuff make me the most. That's Mm -hmm. just where I got to allocate my time to. And I think there's always that give and take, right? Because there's ebbs and flows and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is like you said, muscle memory where it's like, mm, just got to get done. I yeah. feel like that at work sometimes. Like I really don't want to work on the spreadsheet, but I got to do it. Yes. <laughs> and I think you bring up such a good point too of like, yeah, you have to chase the money to some degree. Like you have to take a good hard look at your finances and say, man, even though like I'm enjoying X so much more, why is where the money's at? And that's what's paying my mortgage. And that's what's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and if you're pressed for time or you just don't have the mental capacity to do it all, you have to make the responsible choice and say, even though this is more fun, I'm going to have to go with this, you know? Um, and I don't think there's anything like wrong with that. You know, it's just looking at the 24 hours that we have in our day, um, making sure that we're not jeopardizing things like our health and our well being, Um, and, you know, just being honest and saying, this is, this is where I need to put my time and energy in order to make things work for now. So, yeah. Yeah. Even with just spending time with family, like that's always been an important piece of me, myself growing up, just being a first generation Italian American. It's very, very important. Those Sunday dinners are extremely important. There's certain things with holidays that are very important. And I try really hard on Sundays to like, if I'm going to do reselling work, it's going to be first thing in the morning and then I won't touch it for the mm-hmm. rest of the day and the afternoon and evening because that's family time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us get so caught up and then we're all guilty of it, especially when like reselling is really exciting and like you've come yeah. across a lot of sales, you found really great things, right? Like you just in that constant flow of like needing to pump things out. We forget sometimes that there are this, this is other worlds on the outside of yes. reselling that exists. And it could yeah. be even fitness because how many resellers have said it I gave up all of my fitness. I've given up all the things that I used to love doing before. Could be arts and crafts, could be crocheting. I don't care what it is. I gave it all up because I just dived headfirst into reselling and it took over my life. I'm guilty of that. I'm sure you can resonate with that as well. When you become so wrapped up in something like this, that just can have some really, really highs, right? It can have a lot of lows too, but there's those moments that you're like, oh, I am. I am in this and like, nothing's going to stop me. Those things that once you enjoyed and once kind of helped you disconnect from reality, you no longer do them. And it's wild to me how that happens. Yep. It is. It's crazy. And I think that's kind of the curse of entrepreneurship is if you work hard, like the harder you work, the more money you can make. There's no Mm -hmm. cap, you know? Right. Uh, And some people lose sight of, everything else because they're chasing just okay tomorrow I can do more I can make more money the next time you know um and that's where I think I think that's kind of like a path I went down for a little bit 
And then I had to kind of take a good hard look at everything around me and ask myself, but what is most important to me, you know, and actually at the end of this past school year, nope, the year before that. So at the end of 2022, I had put in a letter to my superintendent saying, hey, I'm going to take a year leave of absence. Um, and it was because I wanted to like try this reselling slash YouTube slash whatever, you know, I wanted to try oh, it full time. I did not know this. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to see, you know, how that would go. Um, and that lasted about a month or two. And then I rescinded my letter because I realized for me, I don't think it's going to be healthy. Like, I I think that if all of my time and energy went into just my business and it was all about like, let's see how big we can grow this thing. I think that that would have put me in a really dark space of just, um, just I don't know, just like never doing enough and being like, oh, I need to do more. I need to do more. And I think turning my back on what I really feel like I was created to do, which is teach and create relationships with students and stuff. I, I think it really would have been hard on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, like, I think that's always the question from resellers is like, but when are you going to do this full time? Like you're there. Why don't you just take the book? And I'm like, yeah, I could, but like, I don't know if that's the right thing for me to do. Of course I could make so much more money <laughs> if I did that. And I used the time that I'm in the classroom to dedicate to my own business. I could make so much more money than I do as a teacher. And I already do make more money doing that stuff um, than I do as a teacher. But what does that do to me as a person? And right. is it worth that sacrifice? And ultimately, after thinking about it, you know, another couple of weeks after, or I mean, another couple of months after I had turned in that letter, I was like, it's not, it's not worth it, you know? Um, and that's just something that everyone has to kind of ask themselves. But a lot of people get into reselling because they're in jobs that they hate, you know, and they're in jobs where they don't feel fulfilled. And I totally get that. I'm not saying um, turning to full-time reselling is wrong because it absolutely is the right move for a lot of people. It just was not for me. So what didn't I, that's so interesting because I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. At what point did you, in that, those two months, three months, whatever it was, what, was there something in particular that like set you, not set you off, it was like, mm, this is, this is not it. This is not it. Or was it just like an overall feeling of like, I just really miss my kids and being in that room. Yeah, I think it was. So I think I, um, sent, I sent the letter probably sometime in like, March or April and I remember like telling the kids and we all like sat there and cried and like oh. it was just like but I was like no like this is something I have to do and then but I think over the course of the next couple months like I was working with my students on the musical like we do a spring musical every year and I don't know it was just like I was realizing like in the midst of those relationships like man I just have the I'm just in such a unique and special position to grow such deep relationships with these kids because yeah. a lot of them I have from the time that they're freshmen and I see them through their senior year and we spend so much time together, you know, and so we're able to just grow um, such a special relationship and you, there is a great reselling community, but it's not the same as like seeing a kid every day from the time that they're a freshman to senior, you know, it's like, it's a lot more superficial than that. And, um, 
you don't see them through the good and the bad. And I don't know. I was just like, and, and there's a part of me that feels like, yeah, I was made to do this. I'm good at this. And it would be a waste to throw that away, you know? And I don't feel like I pat myself on the back very often, but I know that like building relationships with kids is something that I'm good at. I don't feel like I'm actually even the best teacher. I know that I could improve in a lot of ways as far as teaching is concerned, but I think it's it's really more about like getting to know the kids, speaking truth into their life, you know, helping them see their potential and helping them find ways to fulfill it. Um, I think it was just like, the culmination of going through the musical, putting it on, like just feeling really good about what was happening in the classroom and then being like, this is stupid. Like, why would I give that up right now? And that's not to say that like, I'm going to stay in the classroom forever until I retire. Like who knows? Like maybe next yeah. year I'll be like, nope, I have to step out. You know, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it's hard. Like it's it fulfilling, but my God, it's hard. And that's why there's such a teacher exodus right now. And yeah. like school not find anyone to teach, but I think because of what it is that I teach, it's super fulfilling. I was going to say that what you do makes it fulfilling. I, my choir teacher from elementary school, middle mm-hmm. school, high school, I loved them. Yeah. I didn't matter how much they yelled at us because we were being yeah. obnoxious. Like none of that mattered. Like they were our sacred space. And that was the same for my friends mm-hmm. who were in band. That teacher is their sacred space because yes. it's not... It's not a core curriculum teacher who, yeah. where it's like, you've got your papers, you're going to read, you got to do all these different things. Yeah. It was like your safe zone. And it was people that enjoyed the same thing that you enjoyed. And yeah. you could like laugh about it and enjoy it and make jokes about things and have all these rehearsals and get to go to these special events together and perform. It's this, it's a really unique experience. And yeah. I'm sad I didn't continue it into college. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it the same way. But I feel like that aspect of community I really missed in college. Because yeah. yeah. uh, in high school, it was whenever anything didn't go right, someone was bullying me, whatever it was, I went to my choir teacher and that's yeah. where I sat and he would write me a note and say, it's fine. You sit here this period. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. there's something so special about that. And when I was an educator, I worked with um, those who are visually impaired. And while I had the same unique relationship with them, it was a very difficult job because mm-hmm. you are experiencing not only someone who has special needs in whatever capacity, because it wasn't just vision. A lot of times there were other things mixed in, there were a lot of behavioral things as well. There was this whole home aspect that you had to deal with that was really hard because mm-hmm. I worked in an inner city and I went to all the different schools all over the place mm-hmm. in the, these specific areas in Massachusetts. And it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was something that I never realized how difficult it would be. I was 20. So I started working as a teacher in special needs preschool at 22 to 24 ish, 25, and then transitioned into the itinerant, you know, teachers of visually impaired and did that till I was about 28, almost 29. I couldn't go back to it. Yeah. It was so draining mentally, physically. I would cry on the way home. I'd cry sitting there listening to students and what they went through because it wasn't just that they couldn't see. It was what they were going on, what was going on at home. And you, it, it's a different community that you're working with. It's, and there isn't the support in the, at the administration level that teachers need sometimes. when it, And it's not like this everywhere. But from what I experienced, Mm -hmm. I was very thankful when I 
was laid off from my last teaching position because it kind of opened up my eyes to as much as I love the children, as much as I love doing what I did, I couldn't do that for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. What a hard it's, lesson to learn after going to school, but I, <laughs> I know. And, and and that's another topic for another um podcast. But yeah. the idea, yeah, teachers, the only ones who can make it are the ones who can separate themselves, step away a little bit once work is done and say, that was that, but I have to mm-hmm. live my life now, you know. Um, and even I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better about setting boundaries in place too with kids of just like, like, it's not that I'm not here for you, but like, I don't have counselor at the end of my name too. Like right. there are certain right. things that like you are wanting to talk to me about that like, I'm just not equipped. Like I don't have the tools to even know how to like have this conversation with you. And so like, as much as I know you feel comfortable with me, like I'm telling you right now, like this is the person you need to talk, you know, like I'm better about like setting yeah. those kinds of boundaries. And, um, but yeah, a lot, especially the young teachers, they, and that's how I was when I was younger too. It was like, no, we can fix the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. All these but then when you have your own families and your own kids and you realize like you don't have the emotional space to give to your own family because you've given it all away at work, it gets hard to deal with. And, and I, you know, I think you can see that sometimes in the in the reselling space too, especially on YouTube. Like you see people who just, it's not that they pour too much into, but it's almost like they are too affected by what strangers on the internet have to say to them. And it's like, but dude, these are strangers. (laughs) Like these Mm -hmm. are not your loved ones. Like it's okay. Leave it alone. Like not everyone's going to agree with you. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just something to remember too. Like, even when it comes to like internet people, you know, setting those boundaries in place and being like, I'm not going to respond to every single comment of someone who says that I'm an idiot or what, you know, it's just learning how to protect your space. And the faster you can learn how to do that, the happier you're going to be. I think that applies also to like what we sell in our business. Like not everyone has to sell the same thing. We have two very different business models and we are both very successful at what we do. And I guess my question to you is, has your business model stayed the same where you are focusing more on that bread and butter, things that you're getting, whether it's, you know, people are donating it to you or consignment, whatever that may be. Is that kind of where you've stayed in that little niche or have you tried to venture out a little bit and kind of change your business model over the years? So I think for me, it's, it's like the game of convenience, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the game for me right now because I just don't have a lot of time to dedicate to reselling. And I love sourcing, but I don't have time to do it well, you know? Yeah. So for me, if I go out and get stuff, there's going to be a handful of things that are like pretty good. Um, but there's going to also be a lot of just filler things to have made it worth my time and to, like have things to list consistently. Um, so that's why like I've been open to and okay with the idea of like buying people's inventory off of them because even though a lot of it is not that good and most of that stuff goes to like Plato's or I can sign it um, at like 
you know, we have like these pop-up consignment sales and stuff. Like I, I don't list the majority of like what I buy off of people, but I will still even list some things where I'm like, I would not have picked this up myself, you know, but right. it's because it saved me those hours of like going out and finding it myself. Um, and, you know, I think when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That also is a reason why like some people are like, yeah, this YouTube channel just really isn't for me because it's some people watch YouTube channels for what the person is selling and my what is not very exciting, you know? And so um, if it's just kind of like they want to hang out buddy about, you know, she's going to talk about reselling and um, she's going to share her bread and butter stuff and people are excited about that, then my channel is like perfect for you. But um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just been like, I don't have the time to dedicate to like going out and finding the really good stuff or like scouring the internet for it. Um, and there is like good stuff out there, but it is harder and harder to find because so many people mm -hmm. are learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the time or the ability to like, you know, set up all these alerts and to like run to my phone the second I, you know, like it just, it isn't going to work like that for me. And so yeah, I'm kind of still in that space. I'm like totally fine with it because it's like when I get a chance to photograph, I just photograph what I have and I just do, you know, I just list the things and make the money that I can. And yeah, I'm not trying to like scale into a crazy yeah. multi-million dollar business. So I'm okay. I mean, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe, but yeah, I think it would be difficult to do here. I think it would be, but um even with what I'm doing here, I think that it is representative of what a lot of people in the States have access to. Um, obviously, there's a ton of people in like these big metropolitan areas, but there are a lot of people who are so far away from those places. And so, you know, I'll teach you how to sell your Coldwater Creek and your Talbots and your, you know, American Eagle, because um, that's what I'm finding too, you know, but there, so there's, there's a space for that. I think there's like this there. misconception that everyone has to eventually leave that space of like mm -hmm. that bread and butter mall type items that the average person thinks is really, really great in this expensive retail. Everyone feels like they have to leave that and go into that mid-tier luxury or super high-end designer. Yeah. You don't. You really mm -hmm. don't need to do that. And I don't know why that push exists. Maybe it's because people don't want to do that volume game, right? I get that. They don't want to continue yeah. with that volume. But if that's what you have available to you, man, you can make that work and you can make just as much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about like what you enjoy as well. I mm -hmm. like, I just don't know enough about hard goods. I bet like if I really tried, yeah, I could like go to garage sales. And if I like knew what to look for, like I could do better with that kind of stuff than I could at close. Cause like, especially with clothes at garage sales. I mean, it's 98% trash here. You know, it's, there's yeah. nothing good. Um, and like at thrift stores too. So it it's like, if I wanted to try to learn about that, I could, but I just genuinely don't enjoy it, you know? So yeah. I'd rather 
sell like 10 things that caught, you know, that sold for $20 and like, it's fine. And it's like even enjoyable than to like, have to put myself through the process of learning about like this golf club is the one to, you know, like, I'm just you lost like, me already. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, I can't do it. Like, it's so boring. Yes. Like listing it is so hard. Shipping it is so hard. Storing it yeah. is so hard. Like, I just, I don't want to do it, you know, and I don't ever want to get to a point where I have to like rent out a storage unit or, you know, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with what I'm doing. I have no plans to change it for now. <laughs> I love that answer. That was so in our Patreon group in the beginning of the year, we, well, throughout the year, we're having quarterly calls, but in the first one that we had in January, I was like, well, what's everyone's goals and everyone around and, you know, so what their goals are monetary or just goals in general with the business or personal. And my goal was, I want to do absolutely nothing differently. I don't want to change. I don't want to grow. I don't want to do anything. I want to be as stagnant as possible. And everyone was like, okay. But like, sometimes it's okay. And like, I, I still pick up things that maybe other people don't because it doesn't do well or it's saturated, whatever. But the people that buy from me still buy it and I still make a good price point on it. So like, I'm okay with picking up Madewell jeans, even though it doesn't sell for a lot of people anymore. Certain mm-hmm. styles still sell really well for me and I'll pick them up and I'll still flip them for 50 to 70 bucks, depending on the style. Like, I just think it's finding what what you like, what you're good at and what your customers want because people come back to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of that that comes into it, but yes, I, I am I am with you with the, I never want to change. I'm happy with where <laughs> I am and just leave me yeah. alone. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I'm open to like learning and trying. Yeah. yeah, It's just, again, it's kind of like protecting my space. I think there was a period when I was like, okay, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try to like do this hard, good stuff. And it just made it so stressful and unenjoyable for me. And again, I have the luxury of like, this is not right. 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 So I can get away with saying like, I don't want to grow (laughs) and I don't want to like. Right. Well, same. Yeah. But Yeah. I don't know. So even like, I kind of said like, I'm never going to buy out people's inventory again, but I already like broke that. And I've already like, (laughs) again, it's like, it's not amazing stuff, but it's, it's what I have time for right now. And I like the feeling of like helping someone like, okay, like this person is moving across the country and they really need some cash right now. And they have, and I'm like, that's fine. I'll just buy it off of you. (laughs) Like, I know I'm going to like, at least double my, you know, you show me kind of what you have yes, it's not exciting, but like, it's fine. I'll just do it. You know? And I like the feeling of like, and I'm helping you a little bit, you know, and I'm getting some stuff and, you know, I'm in a position to do that. Like for me, because it's not like that it's that sense of urgency just isn't there. I'm like, it's cool. (laughs) We're just chilling. Like, you know, it's a little bit. So are you full-time reselling this summer? Cause that was the thing you used to do. You were a full-time reseller in the summer and then you transitioned back to yeah, part-time I mean, side I hustle. Say that, but I never ended up doing more. Than I <laughs> we're still, we're still side hustling here. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm full-time at home, but now so are my kids. So it's like, yep. you know, but also like, I want to do stuff with them. And when they yeah. go to the pool, I want to go to the pool, you know? So I almost feel like I have less time to put into reselling. Yeah. And then 
I want to go on as many trips as possible in the summer as well. And so it ends up not being even close to full time. I always proclaim that I'm going to be full time at the beginning <laughs> of every summer. And then I'm just a liar because I actually <laughs> put in like not even part time hours. Like if I were working for someone, they'd be like, you're fired because yeah, you bye, get out of here. <laughs> hours, you know, but, um, you know, I've just been doing what I can. I've been trying to stay consistent. This week has been so challenging too, because like in the mornings I've been helping out with my church's VBS. And then in the afternoons, I've been helping out at like the local, like the U of I, they have like this summer hip hop camp and I like go help out with the oh, campers nice. there. And then I come home and I'm like exhausted and I don't want to do anything. And so I don't know, it's, it's not full time, but we're just trying to enjoy life. <laughs> right. And that's, yeah. and that's totally, and I think that's just the reality of it. Sometimes we have the intentions of doing one thing and it's like, mm, nope, that's not yeah. what we're doing. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I want to hear your perspective on live sales. Have you jumped on that train? And, and if, or we'll just go from there. Have you jumped on yeah. the train? I did try whatnot. Um, it took me a few months of like watching people do it. I would hop on a lot of shows and just like interact with people um and I did maybe like maybe like six to eight shows and it was fine I was okay with it and um you know I would sell things and make some money and do all those things I it doesn't work for me because I just don't have the time for it um when I talk to people who are really successful with it, it is because they're super consistent with it and they are spending a lot of time uh, on these shows. They're spending a lot of time prepping them, actually sitting through them. And then the shipping, like it is a lot of time and I don't have that kind of time. So even like the very few times that I did it, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so overwhelming. It's exciting to sell like 30, 40 things in one night, but then you're like, oh my God, I have to ship these things. <laughs> yes. And I have to do it, you know, like that's hard. Um, so like kudos to everyone that is making it work for them. Um, but like when I talk to those people, they sound tired, you know, like they sound yes. so I'm just like, that's great. Um, you you do you, but like I'm already tired and I don't have it in me to be even more so. Um, and then I just I don't feel like I'm finding the kind of stuff that works in a lot or and I also don't have like bins around me where like I'm mm. getting stuff for like a dollar a piece. Um, so it just doesn't fit my life right now or my business model. But I get why some people do it. Like I see their numbers and I'm like, that's awesome. But it is a lot of work. So yeah, I agree. It's something that I think is interesting. And maybe someday I would try one just to say that I did it. But just like YouTube, I don't have the capacity to sit in front of a camera, whatever, right? And be on for two, three, four, five, six hours. People are on for like crazy amounts of time. And then you have to be on, right? And I think this is where it becomes difficult for someone like us who works a full-time job, family, all that kind of stuff. I'm on all day from like 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. I am on Mm -hmm. to have to be on after that is exhausting. Yeah, Yeah, because with typical reselling, when I'm listing, 
even when I'm photographing, right? I have a podcast on in the background. Yes, when I'm yes. I've got a TV show on. So it's it's work, but it's relaxed work. It's, yes. I'm in my PJs and yes. drinking, you know, hot tea work. It's yep. not like, hey guys, oh my gosh, hi, like, how are you? Like, welcome. Yes. And like you said, that's a lot too. It's not even just the time, but it's the amount of energy that goes into that. Mm-hmm. So like a few weeks ago, I had Paul um, Philly Flipper on, yes. um, you know, I just kind of did like an interview and I was so appreciative of the fact that he just kept reminding me and anyone who was listening, he was, but listen, I am a single man. Like I don't mm. have a family. I don't, he's like, so I'm only responsible for myself. I can do whatever I want with my time. And that's not the case for me. You know, like without fail, I feel like every time I tried to do a live show, my kid would be like, I have to poo and you need to help yeah. me wipe my butt. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, and Sorry it's like, guys, be back. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> please entertain yourselves. Like, it's just like, it's, it's a lot harder to do those kinds of things, especially when they're live. Um, and it feels very unfair to my family. Like, yeah, we've got space, but like they got to tiptoe around that part of the house. Like they feel bad, like coming to me if there's an, you know, I just, for, for me again, just with where I am in my life and just like you said, with our work and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't make sense, but like, it absolutely makes sense for people out there. And I totally get that. So keep doing it. The the only reason I'd want to try like a Poshmark live is some people have been saying it's a good way to liquidate through like older stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like that'd feel wonderful to like get rid of like, even if I'm selling it for like, you know, making a couple bucks or something like just get it out, you know, but I don't know, maybe sometime before the school year starts. But again, the summer is almost busier. Than I know. Really I know. I was, so my thought process in it is I think if I were to do it, I would do it once a month. Maybe this is maybe once a quarter. Let's start with once a quarter. And it would be like, it'd be like a drop. And like, I would source specifically for Mm -hmm. this event, whatever it would be, whatever the theme would be. Because generally speaking, I wouldn't be able to sell the items that I have at the price point that I want in a live show. Like I would, they would start at a price point that they would not want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, So like, I would have to go travel to the bins so drive two hours to new hampshire drive two hours to connecticut or if the boston one's open again drive an hour and a half there mm-hmm. to source specifically there multiple times across three months to hopefully build enough yes. to have for a live show do you know how much time that takes away from my weekend exactly. that's a lot exactly. yeah yeah. And, but I think it's a great idea. Like there's a, there's this whole side, like I argue with myself. I'm like, but if you were to actually do one and liquidate a bunch of things, like to you, it's liquidating, but to the other person, their side, like, this is a great deal. You know, to them, exactly. it doesn't seem like liquidating. Yeah. I can move all this stuff, make an influx of money. Yes. Mm-hmm. My time would decrease all that profit that I made. Right. Yeah. And all the supplies and all that kind of stuff. But like, it could be fun. It's such a hard, like internal battle to figure out where it all fits. Right. And like, I almost feel like we have to try it. We have to do it at least once because it's what everyone's pushing. Amazon is doing it. Walmart is doing it. Like all these big people, Macy's does it. They all do it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's going anywhere. We were in Korea and we were at this like really bougie mall and there was, and like the way that they do it in Korea is like, the malls are like 10 floors or something. And one yeah. floor will have like, it'll be like Louis Vuitton, 
Gucci, Fendi. So it's not like, it's like individual, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's not stores, but like spaces. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's one little section. It was like smaller than a store like Louis Vuitton or something, but there was this person and I think she was actually speaking in Chinese, but she was like doing a live show, like in the mall, in the store with like all of like, you know, like she had a ring light, she had her camera, she's very clearly talking to, and it's this, and she's talking about it and she puts it down and then she's, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, you know, and because I think whatnot started in China, am I correct? Or like live selling in general, I think is what it like. I I feel like live selling. Yes. It is one of the asian countries is kind of yeah, where it originated like Taiwan from or something yeah um so like to see it in action even in another country that's when it really opened my eyes to like oh my gosh like this is like worldwide yeah. you know and i and whatnot has been saying that forever like this is a worldwide and yes like they're not lying you know so like you said don't and, and I, I i try really hard to like not to knock something till i try it. so i'm not gonna knock Poshmark live sales. I'm not going to knock. Yeah. Although I do kind of uh, talk trash about them on Instagram a little bit, but it's more okay. so like how much they push it in our face. And I'm like, dude, chill out. Like, so I don't, that's not what I want to see in my feed right now. Like it's more mm-hmm. that, that like, to people who do live sales, it's fine. I don't care, but it's just like, oh my God, like leave me alone, <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, I'm not knocking like people who do it or like live sales themselves. And I do want to try it. I want to like see what that experience is like I imagine it's very similar to whatnot like you know it's kind of the same thing but um yeah I, I don't think it's a bad idea to go on there and liquidate I think that's the only way it would make sense for me right now I'm not gonna put my best stuff up there and right. sell it for eight dollars and be like well that sucks you know like, <laughs> um yeah I, I feel like you can start doing that when you build that following when you build that like clientele yeah. basically the buyer pool I think at that point you can start doing it because people need to trust you. They need to like buy into who you are, your story, all of that. Because the people who are successful right now, people have bought into them and they will buy something, a a mystery box, whatever it is for $800, $500, all of that. And they trust it. Yes. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. And the people who got there, it's because they were so consistent and they had the time to show up again and again and again. And I don't want to do that. Yes. <laughs> so Amen. Yeah, right. Like it's like, and that's amazing that they were able to do that because for them, it's not even just about the product. It is about them. You know, it's about mm-hmm. people showing up for them and um being the kind of person that people want to throw their support behind. And that speaks volumes to, you know, those people's ability to show up and relate to these people and connect with them. And that's amazing. I do not have the capacity to even attempt that, you know, like I just, yeah. Yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. I know yeah. I've been seeing people doing these like mystery boxings. I'm like, what? But that's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've watched those, the ones that fascinate the most because I'm not one to easily pull the trigger like that to buy a box like that, but yeah. people do it and they, yeah. and they love it and they trust the process. Yeah. You were talking about Poshmark and I feel like we haven't touched about Poshmark at all this episode. And um, I want to know what your thoughts are on the promoted closet listing thing. Do you have access to it? I don't even know. I don't (laughs) even know if I have access to it. I never bothered to check because I didn't want to do it. Like, 
I, I'm a bad YouTuber in that I feel like a good YouTuber would be like, I'm going to be the first one to do this so that I can try it and tell everyone about it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I need to see everyone go through it first and see what's if it's good the or damage. Bad. Yeah. And if it's not good, like I'm not going to do it, you know, like yeah, it, it should be the end Love of the, the honesty. It. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And so far what I've seen, I think I've seen one positive post about it. One person who's like, and I don't even think it was a post. I think it was a comment on someone's post on Instagram regarding promoted listings. But one person was like, it's really working for me. So I'm going to stick with it. I feel like every other thing I've seen, people are like, oh my God, the amount that they like, the percentage that they take for you from their promoted, I'm seeing like in the 30s. I'm seeing, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, And so I don't love it, especially because I know how eBay's promoted listings work and it seems like it's not like that at all. And it's I'm- not. So I, I'm in it and I've, oh, I, I had you? the, yes. So I was in the, and I haven't talked, I have not talked about it on social media okay. really besides within the discord and Patreon um, okay. because I want to test it for a full three months before I say yay or nay to yeah. it. So I have seen a lot of su- success with it. Wow. Um, okay. Yes. So much so that I'm paying for it right now. This is my wow. first full week of, I did one full week of paying. I'm in my second week now. Um, Do you mind okay. ask how much you have to pay? So oh, it's I, like when it sells, you, right? You can, so no. So here, I'll explain it here. So I've, I've had a couple of calls with Poshmark and um, basically the way we all need to think about it. And I bluntly told them that you need to remarket this because people do not understand what you want. Mm-hmm. Um it is not promoted listings like eBay. Mm-hmm. It is a pay-per-click ad like Facebook, like Google, like mm-hmm. something like that, right? So an ad that you see that 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 brand is putting on a website mm-hmm. and you every time someone clicks on it, you get charged whatever the sense is, right? So they're using promoted listings as an ad. And they're hoping that that ad will then drive someone to click on it and either buy that item or search through your closet to buy something else. So if you're not seeing promoted items selling, so on the dashboard they give you, if you're only seeing, well, I only made three sales from promoted listing, you can't just look at that number. And this is where I have a problem with it. They need to do a better way of explaining. It's not just those items that sold. It's the overall sales that you have experienced over that one week's time. That's kind of the whole point. It's to drive traffic to your closet and you're going to have an overall higher sales amount by doing this. Now, whether it's profit or not, that will depend on your business, right? Um, So that's the idea of it. It's not... This item is promoted like eBay and then you get charged at 3%, whatever percentage you have allocated to it. And that comes off when it sells. It, mm-hmm. It's not like that at all. They failed <laughs> at explaining this to the community. Yeah. And the title of it doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Promoted closet does not make sense. Uh-huh. That's why when I first heard of it, I was like, pay-per-click. Why would I ever do pay-per-click? But when I actually sat down and talked to them and when I saw the results, I was like, oh, okay, this works for my closet. Now, I don't understand why it works for some people and doesn't work for others. I can't Mm -hmm. explain that. And they don't give us anything to explain why it does or doesn't work for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people who have similar closets as me that are seeing results. And there are people who have similar closets as me that are not seeing results at all. And so there's obviously something else to it, but I couldn't tell you what it is because they don't openly tell us any of that stuff. I think it can work for people 
but you have to try it. <laughs> like you yeah. have to do the trial. You got to see what it is for you. And you've just got to make that business decision of, okay, I will, after the trial, try it for two or three weeks. I'll set it the budget that I can afford. You don't have to do the suggested price. I'm not doing the suggested price right now. Um, and, and go from there, just like we make bad sourcing decisions sometimes and spend money that we shouldn't have. It's a business expense. It's a write-off. You can look at it that way. If it makes you, you know, makes you feel better about making that decision before promoted closet, my sales were down over 50% from last year, from January, February, March, April, May, and then half of June, my sales are up now and almost matching last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and my average selling profit, it's pathetic to even say this, but like I was at a $25 average selling profit those six months. And I was at almost an $85 average selling profit last year. I'm back up now with promoted closet to a $75 average selling profit. Mm. And that's why it works for me. Yeah. But I have to be careful because yeah. it's a game, right? Like I want to increase. What's going to happen if I increase in the $10? What's going to happen if I increase in the $10? Or I start making different sourcing decisions. I got to be really conscious about now this is extra money, $20, $30, whatever it is that I'm going to pull out to put into Poshmark instead of going, going to source. So like yeah. you really have to look at the whole picture, but you're never, don't make a decision based off of what people are saying in the community. Take that information, see what it does for you, try it. And if you're like, yep, that's the exact same thing that's happening to me, then don't do it. Yeah. But I think it's worth trying. It's, they just have done a poor job of explaining it to people. No, that makes sense. The way you just explained it is not at all what I thought it was. So here's my question to you. Um, you were saying it's kind of more like, you know, a pay-per-click ad like on mm -hmm. Facebook or Google or something. So is it that if you are if your closet is promoted, does it actually show because I've noticed on Poshmark there are a lot of ads for like other companies and stuff, yes. you know, yes, I didn't used to see before. So it's showing up there, like on the sides. Okay. It's showing up when you're searching for something. It'll be like uh, the first row will be promoted listings. And okay, then there'll okay. be like some regular listings in between. And the next row will be a promoted listing. But here's the thing. The first one to three listings, generally speaking, are related to what you searched. Everything else is just pulling from keywords and whatever you have in your description in your title. We all know how bad the Poshmark search is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have to talk about it. We know that it's bad, um, which is why I think they probably should have fixed that first before they launched something like this, because mm, your items might not necessarily be seen, especially if it's a saturated brand category. Like, yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um I also think the way that you write your titles, your descriptions have a lot to do with, do with it. I know that people at some point started paying for like manuscript. I don't even know what it's called. It's like a chat GPT kind of thing, right? And they were getting these listings done for them in that paragraph form. Well, all of those words are now being pulled every time someone's searching for something, especially if you're unpromoted. Um so your item might be popping up for someone and it's not relevant at all. And it doesn't matter that you're promoted. No one's going to click on it. So there's definitely nuances to it that in search that they should absolutely work on because it doesn't work with what they're trying to do on this other side of promoted. Yeah. Um, 
I just wish that they would just come on and talk to everyone, <laughs> which yeah. they'll never do. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, right. that's what that's, needs to be done. Yeah. 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 I think, I think they used language that people are familiar with, but then didn't deliver mm -hmm. what it is that people thought it was based off of that language. And so, you know, that's going to set you up for people to get kind of upset with you. So that's very insightful, um, to hear you talk about it. Cause now I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll just try it. Especially like you said, the free trial, like you I, again, I don't even know if I have access to it. Like now I want to check and see. But, Did you uh, sign up for the wait list? No. All right. I, so there's a wait list. I, <laughs> Becky, I'll send it to you. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I just, I I'm so like, it's all right. There's a wait list, put your name on the wait list. And then, fine. so before they were doing four week trials, now it's a two week trial. Mm -hmm. They've decreased it, but they're letting more people in Mm -hmm. I think they're letting more people in because people aren't doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like I when I first joined it, they were like, we're really only selecting certain people. Like it depends on your closet. We really want to test it on certain closets. And they were very slowly letting people in. But then I think they saw how many people left and they're like, well, I guess we can do two week trials and just bring more people in. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Interesting. But I, try it. What's the worst that can happen? You've yeah. got content for YouTube now. Perfect. That's true. But Again, I'm kind of a lazy YouTuber. And <laughs> but I think I people would like to hear your perspective on it because I do think, unfortunately, and in eBay's in this, people who are big time eBayers are in kind of the same boat, this dynamic ad thing that they released, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like your ad rate is fluctuating. It's kind of the same idea as pay-per-click. You can pay a lot of money to have that item sell and you're actually making no profit on it and their mm -hmm. fees have gone up. So it happens on every platform. The real question is how much are you willing to pay to play the game? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. For sure. Especially with e-commerce. You yes. alluded it to before. So many people are doing it now, whether mm -hmm. it's Amazon, eBay, I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. So many people are doing e-commerce. It is so much harder to source. It is so much harder to get your items seen. It is so much harder to get people to buy your item because yeah. there's so many people that do it. Yep. And no, it stinks, but that's just the reality. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think that's part of, you know, I think that if I, well, no, I don't have an excuse because you're in the same boat that I am. I was going to say, if this were my sole source of income, I think every time there was like an update like that, I'd be all over it. But the truth is I'm just so like, like I'll just wait to see what people say about it. And if it sounds good, then I'll jump on board. But I think just that's kind of my personality. I'm like that with life. Like my husband would be like, this thing changed with, or even like with my school district, like our health insurance changed. And I just got an email to them. And they're like, you need to hurry up and enroll. <laughs> like your time do to do something about on the phone has passed. Now all you can do is get online. And I'm like, okay. Like I, you know, I'm just such a like, there's just all this stuff going on and I don't want to be bothered by like, Hey, you have to like brush up on this or there's this new thing over here. And I'm like, I, I don't know, guys, like, I feel like I'm doing, can someone I'm else do it for me and then just let me know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, you know, and so a lot of that is just me and my inability to like keep track of things. And I don't know, like I, again, I think people think because I'm on YouTube, they think that I am just, that makes me like 
the best at what I do. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you, I promise you, I am not like, (laughs) I've never claimed to be the best or the expert or the whatever. Like I just said, I'm going to share my journey with you. That's all I promise. Like I never said that I was going to be like your go-to gal for all the updates and all that kind of stuff, which like certain people, that's what they're known for, you know, is like, Mm -hmm. oh, this happened on Poshmark. Like I got to run to this person's Instagram and see what they have to say about it. Um, I've never aspired to be that person. So I'm so glad I have people like you in my life who like not only know about these things, but try them and like talk to people from Poshmark and yell at Poshmark on her behalf. Like I'm so thankful. (laughs) The, I I can yell without yelling and it's great. And, um, (laughs) It, I have actually now formed a very nice relationship with two individuals in particular, which is actually really nice that I can like email them nice. things as I see it. And I kind of I put it out there and the the Patreon group and the Discord kind of get the first details. That's why I haven't come out on social media with it because right now I'm just kind of keeping it in the group and yeah. sharing what I see and yeah. sharing it with them. And if it gets out from there, well, then it gets out from there, whatever. But it's like, I don't feel comfortable publicly coming out and saying every anything yet because it's been it's new it's in beta it's only I've only really I've done it once on my own the four weeks with them so like I gotta I gotta test I gotta give it time and as of right now it works and who knows maybe at some point it won't work anymore and that's fine and I change my methods but I I just think people need to just like people want to try live shows just try it especially since they're doing it for free (laughs) like just do it (laughs) No, you're right. And I, I, I was being a little hypocritical earlier because I was like, don't knock it until you try it. I was like, I'm not going to do promote a <laughs> Like, you crazy? Nobody's saying good things about it. But like, I, it's I like, want to understand why. That's like, this is how my brain works. I need to understand why it only works for some people and not for others. What is it mm-hmm. that only makes it work for certain groups of people, but not others? And why is it the majority of people are not seeing good results? Is it because they don't understand what's actually happening? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I a lot know. of it, it, because so when you're explaining, this is how you look at the dashboard, This because I've seen the dashboard, right? Like people have posted it on Instagram and stuff, but the way that they talk about it in their caption is very different from how you just talked about it. So I think a lot of it is they're seeing the same thing that you are, but they're taking away a completely different idea of what's happening than what you are. And it, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you went straight to the source. You said, I don't understand what I'm seeing. Let me talk to the people who made this mm-hmm. versus people coming to their own conclusions of like, well, I see this number and that number, and that doesn't look good. That doesn't make sense. So, you know, my final verdict is this is a fail. Um, and maybe it isn't, but no one sat down with them to teach them how to look at the numbers. And like you said, it shouldn't be created in a way where the only way for you to fully grasp what's going on is to call the headquarters or call whoever and be like, can you explain this? You can't call Becky, you got to email. Or email or whatever. Like that's no way to run a business or roll out a new feature. It's got to be clear enough that people understand what's going on. And that's probably why there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I have fallen you know, I, I've fallen into the trap of this information because I very much was like, oh, this is, this is failing for everyone. And these numbers yeah. are awful. And, you know. Well, that's because that dashboard is not what it should be. And I've given plenty of feedback on there. And I think that as a whole, they need to do a better job of relaying data to their consumer because eBay can do it. Other platforms can do it. You have it on the back end. 
So relay the information to everyone, show them what people are clicking on, show what categories are doing well, what's selling for other people that are in promoted, like give us that information so that we can make educated guesses on it. And don't just show the promoted sales on that dashboard. Show me all my sales in the last 30 days yeah. and which ones came from a, a promoted ad, we'll call it. But now I can see the whole breakdown of every sale that I've had. And now I can make a determination of, okay, maybe only three of them came from someone clicking on this promoted listing and it created a sale. But look at all these other sales that I was not making before this program came out. That's what they need to do. And this is why I need to be president of Poshmark so that I can make it happen. <laughs> oh, I would not wish that on you though. <laughs> no, I, I would never want that. I would never want that. But I, I just don't think it was thought out the way that it should have been. Per so, everything else that they've done over the last three years. Yeah. So when they call something a beta, in my mind, what that means is, like you said, there's a small group of people who are testing this out for them on their behalf. And as a um, kind of your payment for being given the opportunity to try something out is you are supposed to give them feedback, you know? Mm -hmm. So is this something that they asked for? Did they ask for your feedback or did you, did you find a way to give them your feedback? So I, I don't believe this is still an option. I don't know, but the first groups of people that were led into beta were allowed to go into a Slack group okay. and you have access to them and mm -hmm. there's calls that you can set up and you can mm -hmm. meet with them. But I believe there's an email address that they put in that initial email that you get and you can write them an email. And, uh, and if you give them some type of feedback or that where you're like, I wanna speak to someone, I believe they'll set up a call for you as well. Mm -hmm. But they don't make that public to people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and closing the Slack group to new people that are coming in, I don't think is fair because I think everyone yeah. should have the opportunity to tell them as a beta tester, I wanna be able to tell you what yeah. my experience is yeah. and um was the is the slack group helpful i i th i think yes in some capacity it is to see what other people are experiencing but then there's a lot of like back and forth and bickering that can happen in yeah. there because people get frustrated about other things which i totally understand and you actually have access to poshmark at that point in time yeah, for them to, yeah, like, yeah. Answer. so i get that why did you approve that case or, yeah, <laughs> right um but those calls that they offer within that Slack group were was the best decision that I made was to click and actually do a call. It only yeah. supposed to be 15 minutes. My first call was over an hour because <laughs> I sat down and I was like, I have about two pages to go through with you of every single thing. And I have beta tested at work. I have beta tested when I was in marketing. I yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yes. And I've worked with data and all of this. So you're either going to listen to me or you're not. So you tell me. Yeah. And they were like, yep, no, we'll listen to you. I think they're a little intimidated by that and that's fine. Um, I'd rather than be intimidated by that. Yeah. And, and it was actually a really good, I left that call. Like I was heard. They yes. actually wrote things down. They went back to their team with questions. They emailed me back with responses to things. It was a dialogue that I have never experienced with Poshmark. Yeah. So I'm not on like the Poshmark train. Like, no, that's not it. Like, I'm not a hype girl for them. But that's but encouraging. I'm, yes. And that's how I felt. I was like, this is actually different than what yeah. it has been in the past. Yeah. I've sent emails, Instagrams, whatever, and never heard back from them yeah. ever, ever, ever in the last over five years have never heard back from them. This is the so, first okay. time that I felt heard. 
And I've done, I did a call last week with them, I think. And that actually resulted in them reaching out to a group of people who work on like SEO and search with these specific criteria that I had brought to their attention. Whether anything amounts to, you know, with, with yeah, it or yeah. not, whatever. But just the fact that they were willing to write these things down and ask questions like, well, why do you see it that way? Why don't you see it the way that we do? Mm-hmm. I can give them the perspective from us resellers and be like, because it doesn't make sense. And here's yeah. why. Yeah. They're like, I feel like I'm bashing them, but I'm not. They're just in their Poshmark bubble. Just like a yeah. lot of resellers are in the Poshmark bubble, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole world of reselling and platforms out there that offer a lot more. And mm-hmm. um, it stinks that they don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. But I love them. They make me lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you said, this, like, because I didn't know about the Slack group, I, and but I assume that people who were in the beta I was, I mean, not assumed. I hoped that there would be a way for them to get their feedback to Poshmark, obviously, because that's the point of a beta mm-hmm. is to like work out the kinks with a small group of people and figure out what's working and what isn't. I don't like their beta though, because it's not a small group of people. It should be a consistent small group of testers. Yeah. That's not how yeah. they do it. Because they just keep letting people in. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what happened with like the Poshmark lives. Mm-hmm. But at least what I'm thankful for this is different in that this is another way for Poshmark to make money off of our backs, you know? Uh-huh. And that's why like they have to go into this with more responsibility. Like it's different from like a Poshmark Live mm-hmm. or from the horrible Posh Lens or from like, you know, like <laughs> people can like write and be upset about those things all they want. But like this matters in a way that the other ones, it's it's mm-hmm. whatever because this has a direct impact on how much money people make per sale, you know, or just Mm -hmm. even how much their Poshmark business can do. Or, you know, some people are saying when I joined the beta, it killed my sales. So it's like, they're thinking I'm not necessarily paying more money and now you've killed my sales, but you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. because of that, they have to put a lot more care and attention into it. So even though, even in the way that they're doing that, maybe it's not the ideal way or whatever like it's yeah. encouraging to hear that they are putting themselves out there even a little bit to like hear directly from the people versus like fill out this google form and yeah. like, look and at we're them. never going to look at it but we're just going to yeah. take all the responses and filter them and then just create some kind of graph that shows us something yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's what usually happens but i promise exactly. we both love poshmark we do that's our, <laughs> we do. That's our I mean, main platform yeah like you said, I mean, it makes, but you know, I think eBay, um, is, I have to look at my numbers again between both. I haven't sat down and looked at it for a while, but I think for a second, like eBay was actually doing better for Same. me than Poshmark was. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, we, I do, I like it a lot. Um, and to some degree, it's almost like I don't want them to be doing all these other things because I'm so used to thinking of Poshmark as like the simple platform, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just the simple, like you just, but now there's all these other things. To but consider. maybe that's their ulterior motive, Becky. Maybe it's, we don't want the casual seller anymore. Maybe mm. it's, we want the people who are going to make us the most money. All right. Let's their business. Let's be real about it. What's mm-hmm. going to make them the most money. Yeah. Who's going to bring them the most sales. And to mm-hmm. some degree, eBay does the same thing. Like, if you're pumping out a lot of listings and you're promoting and you're doing all these different things, like 
you get favoritism on eBay, right? They almost feel like they're leaning in this direction, but they're just, mm, the follow through is just not really there. (laughs) Which is just so funny because I think, I think it was last year, everyone felt like they were doing the opposite when they changed their search you know yeah, to whatever it was <laughs> yeah and everyone was like okay clearly they're trying to get more like new users on the platform who aren't making sales because they're creating these listings that are just shirt or you know <laughs> yes. and like so now they're trying to cater to those people and so it's it's interesting but also you know Poshmark has been going through a lot they're um you know public now and there's yep. just all these different things so you know somewhat under new management if you will of like there's just a lot more people that they're accountable to and so they just keep kind of shifting back and forth and it has been difficult but in the midst of it through it all like you said it does continue to make us money so it's like do we wish it were better of course and everyone's gonna have their own version of like if they would just but then for every single one of those, there's going to be another person that's like, no, don't do that. Like that's going to ruin it for me or, you know, so yeah. there's just never going to be one platform that's a perfect fit for every single person. But there are things like this, like you said, that, man, it, sometimes it's like, I think, what are you doing? Agree. Yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but this is where diversifying is so important. It's something that yes. you do. It's something that I do. I don't think you have to settle for one platform. I think if you've learned anything in this episode is that we do lots of different things and yes. you don't have to stick to just one thing and you yes. figure out what works from you. And I don't know if you're still on Kid is in, but I know that was an app that you were on at some point as well. And like Macari and stuff. Kid is in, isn't that it? Oh Yeah. I make I make like a sale every three months over there. All right, so. <laughs> cool. Once a quarter, great. Yep, yep. So you know, we just keep feeding her and see, <laughs> see what but, happens. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. But I just think it's important to not if you're not happy with one platform, then try something else. There's so many options out there now that never existed five, six, seven years ago. It's not just eBay and Poshmark. It's not just Depop. It's not just Macari. There's this new one called Jamble. That's like live yes. selling yes. and you can pull that. your whole Poshmark closet in in two seconds. It's the most amazing thing. It just yeah. uploads it automatically. And yeah. there's, I think there's another one that just came out too, but the one constant that all these platforms for the most part have is the live sales. So yeah. if anything major has changed in the reselling world since the last time we talked, that's really the one. And yes. we both haven't really dived into it. <laughs> no, no, but that's okay. That it, it's okay. Yeah. And you know, maybe when we touch base again in another yep. couple of years in the same way, we'll both be like, that's all we do now. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine totally different episode. Right. I know. <laughs> like, remember when we used to waste time, like listing things? I know. And, yeah. And, and that's been interesting to watch too, of people who are like, I'm done with listing. And then they're not selling live anymore. And then they're back again. You know, there's, there's just been, a, and that's why I think I'm, I try not to make these like big proclamations because I just don't know. But like you said, try things, kind of ease into them. Um, if it works, amazing. And if not, that's okay too. So yeah, good yeah. words to end on. Thank yeah. you, Becky. I've kept you long enough. Your family's oh probably gosh. like, "Mom, where so are fun. you?" <laughs> Dad's home too. So well perfect well thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me i'm sure everyone found this last segment very interesting because we (laughs) 
little bashing of Poshmark here and there never hurt anyone, but it's just the realities of reselling and things that we deal with. And we're both very authentic and real and just say things how it is. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you everyone for listening. Jen and I will be back next week. Uh, we are going to do our fall trends, which is just so crazy to even think that about, but like back to school is already out in the stores. So it's, it's time. So It's time for fall trends. So we'll be back next week to chat with everyone. Bye, everyone.